Well, welcome once again to Ward Church. My name is John, and I am so excited to be here with you this morning and share in this sermon series called On Location, where we are looking um, at what it means to live this life of faith on location in the world around us. We've been looking at some specific areas. We've been looking at how to live in our neighborhoods, at our work. Next week, Pastor Scott is going to come back and, uh, and come share with us about what it means to, uh, to live this life of faith here at our church. And, um, and then today, today, I am having the privilege of sharing what it means to live this life of faith on location in our, in our city. And one of my dad's favorite verses uh, was Proverbs 22.1. Proverbs 22.1 that says, A good name, a good name is to be chosen above great Riches. A good name is to be chosen above great riches. And, and growing up, my dad would quote this verse to me. And uh, he would look at me and say, a good name is uh, to be chosen above great riches. And, and what he was meaning is that um, your, your action, your reputation matters. And so he would also say this little phrase there with it. Um, your actions affect your name. Your actions affect your, your name. And so uh, not, not only did my actions affect my personal name, John, but they affected my last name, Hayden. And so what he was really saying was that your actions affect my name. Your actions affect me. They, they affect uh, how people view, view me. And so if I acted up in public, if I did something wrong in public, I got in, in trouble for it. I got in trouble for it. My parents both said that it was because they wanted me to learn how to live as a respectable person in society. And I think that is true, but I also know now that I am a parent that when your kids act crazy in public, you get embarrassed. And so I, I know... One time in particular, uh, my dad was a pastor. Uh, my dad was a pastor. And one Sunday, we were pre he was preaching at another church. And um, we were there after the service. And one, this, this kid was doing something. And his dad tried to, to get his attention and say, hey, come here. And the boy didn't listen and actually ran away from his dad. And so the dad started running after him. And, and it was crazy because the boy was faster than the dad. So the dad couldn't catch him. And it was kind of funny looking at it. But I was there standing perfectly still beside my dad, minding my own business. And he looks at me and says, don't you ever run from me in public. And I was like, and he said, I will not chase you and you will regret it. And I still, I've never, never in my life ran from, from my dad because, because I was terrified of what that meant. You will regret it. What did, he, what did he mean by that? But I believe, I believe that our society, that our world, that our country, that our city would be very different, be very different if we, just the people in this room this morning, decided that we were gonna live in such a way that we knew we knew that our name affected not just us, that our actions affected not just us, but him. That our actions affected not only my name, but his name. I believe that it would change our society if we began to live knowing that my actions affect not just my name, 
Not just the name of Ward Church, but the name of Jesus Christ. I believe it would completely transform our world around us. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. We're looking at a passage, a passage found in the book of Jeremiah where God challenges his people with this very idea that you represent something much bigger than yourself. There is something much bigger than you and your moment in time, your emotions, your life. There's something much bigger than you. See, the book of Jeremiah is this autobiographical scrapbook of stories from the life and ministry of, of, uh, of this prophet named Jeremiah. And this portion that we're looking at today in chapter 29 is a letter. It is a letter that Jeremiah had written to, the, uh, to the, those who were in Babylon, those who were part of the Babylonian exile. See, the, uh, the, the children of Israel, the Israelites had become, they, they fell under the judgment of God and they, they were taken captive by, by the Babylonians. And, and they came in and they killed many people and then took some of the select leaders back to Babylon. And the goal, the goal of, of Babylon, of, the, of Babylonians was to have the Israelites assimilate into their culture. That they thought that over the, a couple generations, a couple, uh, a couple years, that they would begin to assimilate and they would, they would begin to become like them so much so that they would not fight against them anymore because they were them. And then the, the, the Israelites knew this was the goal. They knew this was the goal because it had happened before. They had seen it happen. And so when they got there, when they got to the Babylonian area, they didn't, they didn't go into the city. Instead, they stayed out of the city in the, the Kabar Canal. They stayed out there. They set up camp out there. And, um, and they, they were waiting for God to come in and rescue them. So they, they, they sat out there and waited for God to rescue them. They even had prophets among them come up and say, God's gonna rescue us in a few years. And what's funny is right after the passage that we read, right after that ends, God speaks to them, I'm not coming right now. It's gonna be 70 years. And so we see these two options here, right? We see these, these, these two plans of how to live their lives, right? One by the Babylonians was to assimilate, to become like them. That we want you to become us so that you don't fight us, that you don't stand against us. You become like us. You lose all of your beliefs, all of your values. You become like us. And the other plan was from the Israelites where they were like, no, I'm just gonna completely Separate. So we see assimilation and separation as the two plans. I am not going to be one of you. I'm not going to be like you. So I'm going to stay over here and hunker down and be on my own person. I'm not going to be tainted by you. And then we see that God has a third plan. God has a third plan in verse seven. In verse seven of Jeremiah 29, it says, this is God's plan. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace and the prosperity of this city. Don't fight against it. Don't separate yourselves. Don't run away. Seek the peace and prosperity. Pray for it. Don't, don't just wait for God to destroy them, but instead you seek the peace and prosperity. Think about this. These were the people that they had just seen murder their families and their friends. 
They had killed their friends and families in the streets and then took them from their home to this new place. And God says, you seek the peace and prosperity of these people. That phrase, peace and prosperity, is one word, one word in, the, in Hebrew, and it is shalom. Shalom, which means peace or prosperity or completeness or well-being. It is this sense of overall health, this sense of overall wellness. The ESV translates it as the welfare that we are, we are seeking. We are seeking that this group of people is overall well. That's crazy that God is saying, hey, I want you to pray and I want you to seek the, the well-being of these people who are your enemies. And what he says, not, it's not just that. See, it's not just that I want you to do this, but, but he actually ties them together. This is what he really says, right? This is what he really says. He says, seek the shalom, this peace, this well-being of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because in it's the city's well-being, you will find your well-being. Their well-being was tied together. That God put this in this, this way so that they had really no choice but to seek the well-being of their city because their well-being was tied intrinsically to the well-being of their enemies. That is a crazy Crazy thought to me. This letter was written to a specific group of people in a specific place in a specific time, but uh, there is an application for us today. There is an application for, for us today. See, in the New Testament, we are told that now, moving forward until we reach heaven, we are exiles. We are exiles, just the same as Jeremiah wrote to them, to the exiles in Babylon. Now we are exiles. In 1 Peter, we see the apostle Peter writes to the exiles. And that word that he uses there for exiles means alien resident. Alien resident, it is someone who lives there, but isn't from there. Somebody who, who is in the city, in the country, in the culture, but is really not of that. And see, we see in our lives, in our context, in our culture, in our society, these same two options of how to live, right? We see the same as they did, the assimilation or the separation. We see that in our culture. See, the goal of the enemy is for us to assimilate and become like the culture, that is the goal of the enemy is for us to assimilate, to become like them, to lose our values, to lose our distinctive beliefs and become like the culture around us. And we see that happening over and over and over. Christians are becoming so much like the culture that you can't tell if they are a Christian or they are, are not. Churches are becoming so much like the culture that really a Sunday morning seems more like a social gathering where somebody walks out on stage and shares this go do good message. Christians are becoming so much like the culture that our kids, your kids, people my generation and younger are 
leaving the faith because what is the point in this cultural Christianity? Journalist Ben Sixsmith is not a believer and he wrote an article about the current state of the church. And he said in this, he talked about the way the church looks right now. And he said, it is with this, with a twist of Christianity kind of faith. It is, you look like me, but with a twist of Christianity. And so what he says is, I feel their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing as them. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become like them, it looks very much like they want to become like me. This is who we are. We are the culture with a twist of Christianity. And then we see the other side. We do have some on the other side that have completely separated, right? Have completely withdrawn from the culture. We have, we don't want to be tainted by them. We are, we are our own thing. We are over here. We are holy. We are godly. We are righteous. We are just. We are better than those people over there. We will not be marked by them. We will not look like them because we are to be called out from among them, to be separate, to be pure, to be holy. We are these people, right? We see both of these in our society. In our churches. And each of these responses, each of these ways of life is devastating to the church. It is devastating to the culture because we have completely lost influence on the culture. See, one side of the coin has lost its influence because we have become too much like them. Why would I want what you have when you look just like me? The other side has lost influence because we are so out of touch that we are irrelevant. But just as Jeremiah tells them, there's another way. This morning, I'm here to tell you there's another way. There is another way. And this is what it is to seek the shalom, the wellness of our city. Because when it reaches wellness, when it is well, when it prospers, we will as well. So how do we do that? How do we do that? There, there are a couple of things in this verse seven that we read just a moment ago that tell us how to do this. The first thing I, I'm gonna say is the, the more obvious one, the easier one seemingly is to pray for it. We pray for our city. We pray for, for uh, those around us. We pray that God would, uh, would move in them. See this, this charge here to pray for it. He says to seek the peace and prosperity and pray for it. This would have elicited in their minds uh, a, a challenge, a command from them from Psalm 122, where they were supposed to pray for Jerusalem. They were supposed to pray for Jerusalem. This specific prayer, you can find it in Psalm 122. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. 
For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord your God, I will seek your good. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So Jeremiah was wanting to get into their minds this idea that we are to begin to pray for. Pray for our city, to pray for the peace and prosperity, to pray for the good of our city, to seek its good. This was to, it was meant to elicit this, this memory. Oh yeah, that is how I pray for Jerusalem, my city, my hometown. That's how I'm supposed to pray for this city, even though it is full of my enemies. See, we don't have, we don't have this enemy in such a strong sense as they did. We're not held captive here in Northville. But we are to pray for our city. We are to pray for, for our city. We are to pray for the leadership of our cities. We are to pray for the people of our cities. We are to pray, God, show me Show me what the needs of Northville, what the needs of Livonia, what the needs of Can, what the, the needs of Plymouth and Farmington. What are the needs? God, you begin to meet those needs. You begin to be with the people who are hurting in our city. God, you show me what the needs are and then give me the strength and the grace to meet those needs. This is what it means to pray for our city, not just, God, I pray that you would get rid of all the wickedness. But God, what are the needs that I can meet? Show me the needs that I can meet. And then the second thing, the second thing that we are to do, we pray for it, and then we live on purpose. We live on purpose. Jeremiah says that you are there on purpose. Uh, we've talked about the last few weeks, so I'm not gonna belabor that point, but you are there on purpose. God said twice, I sent you there. I put you there. Now live on purpose. And I, I don't mean live out of your purpose. I think it's important that we live out of our purpose, but there is a difference in living out of your purpose and living on purpose. See, living out of your purpose is that you are responding to the call of God on your life to do some specific thing with the gifting that he has placed within you. Each of us has a calling. Each of us has that kind of purpose that we are to live out of that purpose. There is a calling, a need, a thing that we are to be reaching and meeting. And yes, that is important, but equally as important, we are to live on purpose. The difference is living on purpose is simply that I am intentional I am intentional about my everyday life. I am not seeking just simply that I'm gonna accomplish this great big goal, but I am going to do everything I do knowing that I represent something more than myself. That my name affects, my actions affect my name and something much bigger than me. That's what it means to live on purpose is that we realize our actions, our actions affect not just my name, but his name. Not just my name, but the name of Jesus. 
And then he goes on, actually before this, he says, this is how you live on purpose. He gives some examples in verse five and six. He says, he says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase in number there, do not decrease. What he's saying is settle in, live there. Be there. Don't separate yourselves. Don't separate yourselves and stay out, out of, from away from the city. Be in the city. Be with them. Don't become like them. You know what? You settle down. You have your own families. You pass on. There are three generations here. You pass on to the next generation. You pass on to the next generation. Your values, your beliefs but do it in this city, in this area, so that you might live as alien residents. Timothy Keller, the pastor um, and, and writer, says that the best image for this alien resident is that of an ambassador. The ambassador is one who represents country A, but lives in country B. It represents country A and all of its morals and values and beliefs, but it lives in country B and lives in the culture. A good ambassador is bilingual. A good ambassador understands the culture and lives in the culture. They're active in the city, but they still represent country A. They still represent their homeland. They still represent that thing that they know they are here to represent. A good ambassador doesn't just simply come into country B and say that I want you to give everything that I can get for country A and I don't care about you. No, a good ambassador comes in and they seek the prosperity of country A and country B. I want what's best for both. I want what's best for you and I want what's best for my homeland. See, we have to learn to be living in such a way that we are pointing back to God, back to his kingdom, back to his glory. But we should live in such a way that we are concerned about our current context, our current city, that we are not just so consumed with, oh, you need to know this about Jesus, but we want to meet your need right now. That we are so concerned with the needs of Northville, that we are so concerned with the needs of Livonia, that we are so concerned with the needs of Farmington or Plymouth or wherever you live, that you are so concerned with the needs of your city that you meet them just for the sake of meeting the needs of your city. Because as you meet their needs, God will begin to draw them to you. And it's not just simply that we look for the big needs and that we go after the big needs, but that we live in such a way in our everyday lives that it begins to make a difference. It begins to make some impact on them simply because we are living a little bit different. We're among them. We understand them. But we're a little bit different. There's something just, just different. That we, we understand that the way we act 
The way we, we respond to the people in the stores, the way we speak to the people in the stores doesn't just represent us, but it represents God. That we, we realize that the way we, uh, we participate in certain things doesn't just represent us, but it represents God. The way we, uh, we speak to our waiters and waitresses doesn't just represent us, but it represents God. The way we act on the streets with the person that cuts us off doesn't just represent us, it represents God. That we live our lives in such a way that while we are here, we don't represent this culture, we represent that culture. We don't represent what this culture believes, we represent what that culture believes. A few years ago, I found myself in a situation where I was defending one of, one of my kids, uh, one of their teachers, sent an email to my wife and I and um, said some things in the email that I didn't appreciate about my kid. Luckily, I had a meeting already scheduled with that teacher for that night. So I felt everything was lining up for me to go in, find my inner Karen, and I was gonna tell her what I thought. I could feel it. God had ordained this moment. And I walked into the room and I could see the teacher and I was like, yes. And before I said anything, someone else in the room said, hey, I enjoyed your sermon Sunday. (laughs) And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. And what I do, I sat there calmly, responded humbly. But I almost immediately thought, A good name, a good name is to be chosen. I could hear my dad say, your actions affect your name. And I thought back on that moment often that I'm so grateful that somebody else that somebody else said something to remind me that God used somebody else to remind me to keep from destroying the name of John Hayden, the name of Ward Church, and possibly the name of Jesus. But I've also thought back often on the times, the times that there wasn't somebody there to stop me. And I have just completely reacted, painted a horrible picture of who Jesus is simply because of my emotions, my actions. Have you ever been there? I'm sure you have. That's what it means to be human, right? How often do we paint a terrible picture of Jesus simply because we are reacting instead of living intentionally? How often do we, do we paint a horrible picture of Jesus because we are responding to the culture around us and we are assimilating like them and we have become like them and then they see, why would I want anything different? Or how often have we done the other side where we have completely separated ourselves and we are so out of touch and out of tune with society that they don't care anything about us because we're in the stone ages. How many times have we just lost our minds and said or done something that has completely painted a picture of Jesus that is horrible because of our actions? Because we were reacting instead of living intentionally, living on purpose. See, we have the opportunity, the privilege 
the responsibility to redeem and rescue our city. To be a part of what God is doing to bring our cities to him. And we will do that through not just these big things. I believe that we should pray. We should meet big needs. We should have these huge things, but we will do that mostly through being day-to-day believers. That we will live on purpose in our city, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. And by being that person that I am intentionally living the way God would live, the way God wants me to live, I am affecting them. Peter tells, he writes a letter um, to the exiles in the New Testament, First Peter. And in this, this thing, he tells them, this is how you were to live your lives. And he goes through different situations, much like what we've been doing. And he talks about how to live at work with your boss, how to be in the home with a spouse who is not a believer. And he talks about how you should live. You should read it. First Peter is, is pretty amazing. But in each situation, he says that if you live this certain way, God will use that to grip their hearts. That if you are intentional about how you live, how you represent me, I will use that to grip their hearts and bring them in to myself. And that is what we get to do. We get to be a part of this process that all we do is we just live on purpose in our cities, that we become the best citizen that our city, and that way when there is a need, they call us because we have been so faithful to meet the needs of our city that when, when our neighbors are hurting, they come to us because we have been so faithful to love them and be kind to them. That when an employer is trying to find a new employee, they want to find a Christian because Christians are the best employees because we are on time. We're hard workers, we're kind, we're polite. So we always want to look for this grandiose thing. And really it is this small, everyday, seemingly insignificant thing that makes a huge impact. Just living on purpose. Jeremiah tells them, this is how you do it. You just settle in. You just settle in and live your life on purpose with the people around you. And then I'll do everything else. God will do everything else. He will use you to bring them in because your name, your name represents his name. Your actions affect your name and his name. If we begin to live this way, it will shape our culture. It will affect our city. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray that you would speak to us, challenge us, God, to live in such a way, God, in such a way that people see and respond to you, to live in such a way that we represent you well. God, I pray that you would remind us daily as we leave today and in this week and the days and weeks to come, 
remind us, God, that our actions affect our name, but also your name. That our actions affect our name and your name. Use us, God. It's your name we pray. Amen.